Welcome to the Bare Naked Health Podcast, where I interview health and wellness practitioners across the globe to see what sets them apart. You will find out why they not only teach and talk about health, but how they walk the walk as well. If you ever wanted to see what others are doing on a daily basis to get healthy and be able to implement in your life, then you're in the right place. Also, I'd like to invite you to go over to BarenakedHealthPodcast.com and take your free brain health quiz today to see where the health of your brain lies. And for taking the quiz, you will get a copy of my book for free, The Four Morning Secrets to Perfect Brain Health, shipped to your door. Hey guys, I'm your host, Nick Horowski. And welcome to the Bare Naked Health Podcast, episode number 33. In today's episode, I interview teacher, shaman, and holistic lifestyle coach, Angie Luster. Be sure to stick around for the end to see how you can cut out the numbness and feel more, get the most out of your time outside, and learn even more about studying shamanism and dreaming. So welcome everybody, another episode of the Bare Naked Health Podcast today, and on the line today I have Angie Lustrick. And Angie, first thing that I ask everybody is, why don't you just share with us what has been your health journey, but keep it concise, let's get 10 sentences or less. Okay. Well, I would say my health journey began really when I um, graduated from college. Um, my health wasn't the best then. And then in college, I was, was waiting tables as a waitress. I was riding my bicycle. So I had some sort of activity in my life. But when I graduated, I took a job where I was doing research and development on cat food and dog food. And so I sat at a desk and I was analyzing samples of product and my weight got really heavy. <laughs> you know, I just put on all sorts of pounds and then it was a plush job and I, they were feeding me all sorts of great restaurants, which now I've learned weren't so great with, you know, processed meats and things and Krispy Kreme donuts at the office. And so my health challenge was overcoming the weight I gained. I had blood sugar issues. I became borderline diabetic and I realized I needed to change my life around. So I went to the doctor. He said, you know, it was great back then. He just said, get yourself in shape instead of taking a pill. So I found myself a personal trainer, a coach, a nutritionist, and got my life in track. In that process, I joined a, a, it was a, uh, it's called the Muscle Tech Transformation Competition. It's in Canada. It's so one of those like EIS Body for Life Transformation Competitions, but it was through Muscle Tech. And so I decided to enter the competition to motivate myself. I had a goal to you know lose the weight. So I entered the competition, started eating right, exercising, lost all sorts of weight, got myself in great shape, and I ended up winning the competition out of thirty thousand people. I know I did more than 10 sentences but that's, that's how all right. it started that's a good, that's and I good. realized that's good. how good I felt <laughs> and so when I learned all these things I realized gosh my lifestyle was so crappy and it's because today it's like oh it's okay if you drink a little diet soda it's okay if you eat a little fast food it's okay if you eat a few Snickers bars and all of a sudden I realized but it's not okay to do this all day long so it was a little bit of everything all day long that made a horrible diet so as I took charge of my health I realized you know what all this stuff is crap shouldn't be eating it. So I learned how to take care of myself. And then I was motivated to be a coach and went back to school, became a nutritionist, quit my job as a researcher, became a personal trainer as well. And I just really was out to motivate people to learn, hey, let me show you how this is really done. And so you can feel good like I was feeling. 
Now, what what what's your what has your education been like? Where do, I mean, did you study nutrition? What other courses have you taken since then? What has really been that development from there? Yeah. So what happened is I was in school and I went and went to school to be a biologist. So I became a researcher with that degree. And as I started researching, I was working on um, dog and cat consumption, food consumption. And I realized that wasn't my passion for feeding cats and dogs. Even though I think it's really important, I realized there was so much more importance in human consumption because our food is actually way worse than what we feed our dogs and cats. And so I went back to school, uh, to American Health Science University, got my uh, certified nutrition degree, which is master's in nutrition. And then from there, I became, actually, when I was doing that, I also became a personal trainer through the ACSM, American College of Sports Medicine. And then from there, I had to take continued education courses every year. And that's how I was introduced to the Czech Institute. And I started taking all my continuing education courses through their, their programs. And that's what really leaps, jump-started my whole business because the Czech Institute taught me things that nobody was teaching. And my clients were like, wow, where did you learn this stuff? So it became like my secret weapon to take courses to the Institute, smarter, and then start applying all these really cool things to my training. And through there, I learned they had a health program called the you know, Holistic Lifestyle Coaching, took those courses. And um, my story is I took all these courses and then I became involved with the Czech Institute and I became a faculty instructor for them. So I've been an instructor for about three, four years now teaching all over the world to, for the Czech Institute. And it became my passion to just teach people. So that was the courses I've taken. And that's really all you need is, you know, taking a good course to a Czech Institute. I swear, I spent so much money in college and, you know, it was great, but I didn't really learn anything practical. You know, you have to take so many things that they think are important but it came down to actually using it in my daily life. It was not really important at all. And I never used anything I learned in college. It's just, I think the best thing I learned in college is study skills and how to motivate and discipline myself to follow through on a project. And so with all of this teaching experience, with all of this education, I mean, I'm on board with you because I've taken a bunch of classes through them as well. I'm a huge fan. Um, but what is your, what does your practice look like now? I mean, is it, so you, you talk about, going and doing a lot of the teaching, but uh, how about working with clients, uh, teaching other just classes? Like, what does that look like for you now? Right. So when I first started, you know, just taking courses to the Czech Institute, I was a nutritionist slash personal trainer. And so I was seeing all sorts of clients a day, up to 24 people a day, sometimes doubling up two people a time, 12 hour days. And it got a little crazy. And then I realized, okay, I wasn't really providing the care that I really needed to give. I felt like a doctor, 30 minutes, one person, 30 minutes, the next person, 30 minutes. And as I started learning more about the Czech Institute, I realized that I was not living the lifestyle that, what my, that I want my clients to emulate. I didn't want them to get up at 4.30 in the morning and be at work at 5.30 till 6.30 at night every day. And, and that's what I was showing them. That So they look at me and said, oh, this is what you do if you're healthy. And I realized, no, this is not healthy. In fact, the only reason I can do it is because I'm eating healthy, but over time, it's probably going to kill me, <laughs> adrenal fatigue or something. And so now, as I've learned how to backstep for my business, I've downsized my business. And really, it's about finding your dream. And my dream was to help people. And my business originally got so big that I stopped actually working with clients because I had to be a manager of the my other trainers that I had hired, the floor. I had a nutrition center, so I had a manage the people who are working in the nutrition center. And then I became like a babysitter and I realized this is not my dream. So I went back and I thought I have to re sit down, restructure my dream, realize I really love teaching. And at the time I was also teaching at the University of California, Riverside. 
there's an OSHA program for, um, it's like elderly adults, I think it's 55 and plus. So people who are, you know, white collar workers, business professionals that still wanted an education. So I started teaching courses there and I realized I really love that. And then I started working at a company called Adrenaline where I taught kids how to be pro athletes, basically by getting their nutrition on board. And so I was seeing the benefit there. I thought, I love this. So when I realized that, I thought, I need to back away from just one-on-one training and coaching and work with people in groups. And so now I love that. So I do that with the Czech Institute. So my business, I still slow people, still coach people one-on-one, but I only see about two to three people max a day. And that allows me to have time in the morning to do the things I want to do, read my emails, read a book, draw, meditate, whatever it is, but that's really an important aspect. And so now when my clients are emulating me, they're seeing that, wow, you take time for yourself. You don't have to go, go, go all the time. You can read a book. You need to enjoy life. It's not about work all the time. I tell them it's, we're human beings, not human doings. You know, so it's like, you know, we think we have to do, do, do. And now it's like, wow. So because of teaching, you know, and I, of course, as you get smarter, you can raise your rates. So that it provides for me not to charge, you know, charge a little bit more, but to have select clients that I can really work with at a deeper level and see better results with instead of giving a little bit to everybody and not really getting 100% results for anybody. And now you mentioned, since we've been talking, like you've said nutrition a couple of times. Like, do you have like, uh, like a specific eating practice or a philosophy that you kind of abide by? Does it change daily? How would you describe that? Yeah, uh, the Czech Institute teaches called the Primal Pattern Eating Plan or Diet Plan. And it's a really great way to eat because it teaches you to first look at your ancestors and say, what are they eating? So if your ancestors were here today, were they from the polar regions or the equatorial regions? So if your ancestors came from colder climates, they ate mostly meat and fats because they didn't, couldn't grow vegetables year-round. But if your ancestors are from the equator, they ate more fruits and vegetables because that's what was more around for them. And they didn't eat a lot of protein. So when you start with that step, so I eat uh, pretty much, you know, and it varies because remember your diet, your diet changes. And so that's why I don't like diet books because it's like, oh, eat a chicken breast every day. And it's like, wait a minute, maybe you don't feel like chicken breast, you know, maybe you're not feeling like protein today. So, you know, your, your diet should be changing based on the temperature. So when you look outside and if it's hot, you know, do you really feel like eating meatloaf? It's like, no, give me a salad, you know, but if it's really cold outside, you know, meatloaf or a stew sounds fantastic. So I listen to my body. So I think that's the biggest thing that we've gotten away from when we're looking at food is how do I feel when I eat that food? How does it feel to eat that? You know, what, you know, sometimes just listening to your body's cravings. And if you're healthy, you should have healthy cravings and say, I'm craving a salad. I'm craving a piece of fish. You know, I want a steak. And so when you listen to that and then you eat that and see how your body actually does with that. And I found that the more I listen to my body, the better I feel. So my diet changes every day, but I I like to rotate my foods. I think uh, it's bad if we eat the same foods every single day. Sometimes people get on diet plans and eggs in the morning with bacon, and then they have their chicken salad with, you know, with a side dressing, and then they have the same thing for dinner. And it's, it's monotonous, it's boring, and the body doesn't do well with that. Our bodies need variety. So the different colors and fruits and vegetables, that's going to give you a different nutrients. You know, you're going to have more different vitamins, different minerals. And so variety is the spice of life. So I look at my foods and say, am I eating the colors of the rainbow? Do I have some red vegetables, some purple vegetables, some green vegetables? And so I make sure I have a variety so I'm just, you know, getting different nutrients in my system. 
So that's pretty much what I like to do is like if I eat chicken today, I'm not going to eat chicken for three or four days later till at least three or four days later. So then I'll do fish, then I'll do beef, I'll do buffalo, I'll do um, bison, venison, you know, whatever it is. Uh, but I make a variety of foods and I think that, and I feel better when I eat that way. And I, I, I love what you're saying though, like feel, listen, like these are things that we just become out of tune with. And is there any, are there, are there any tips that you have to be able to work on that feeling? I mean, I know what I can use for myself and, but do you have any tips there or that you use even like with some of your clients? Like how do you, because sure. some people... They've, they've lost that over time, like you said, because they've just followed something forever. So how would you coach somebody on that? Well, I would say the easiest way, and it's not exactly easy, it takes a little discipline, but what it would be is to journal. You take, get a food journal, you just get a little notebook, and you write down, and what I do is say, open it up on the left side of your journal, write down everything you've eaten in the day. So you would say, I ate chicken at 8 o'clock in the morning, or whatever it is, and then on the right side of that journal, you'd write down all your uh, all the, your symptoms, what you felt like. Oh, I had my itchiness on my scalp. Oh, my nose started running. Whatever it is that you're feeling, you write it down. You even write down and track your bowel movements and say, did I have a healthy bowel movement? Because a healthy bowel movement is a sign of a healthy digestive tract. So if you're saying, gosh, I have diarrhea or I'm constipated, there's something wrong in the system. So I have them document that. And what you'll find is, gosh, every time I eat at this restaurant, I have diarrhea. Or every time I eat this yogurt, I get itchy skin. Or you know, so you find these connections to what you're eating, how you're feeling. So it's easier to monitor it that way than just try to say, "How do I feel?" You know, it's it's, it's easier to to have a piece of paper in front of you and going, "Aha! I have awareness now. When I eat this, I go to this place." And then it's like we have a saying: if you can name it, you can tame it. So if you love like fudge brownies, you eat those brownies, and then you notice your face breaks out the next morning. So now you can name it and say, oh, instead of those beautiful fudge brownies, you say, oh, that's acne. My face is going to break out. So you look at it and now you have, you know, you've tamed it because you can say, I don't want to have all that acne on my face. You know, or you can say, oh, that's constipation for me. So instead of saying that's a dairy product, oh, that's constipation or whatever it is that's causing these issues. So it's much easier to change your diet plan when you know what the actual effect is on your body and you say, oh, that's not desirable. That gives me a pooch belly. That makes me bloated. That makes me break out in a rash or whatever it is. And you'll see that with a journal. And that's the easiest way. It just takes discipline to write everything down. And, and I love that. If you, can, if you can name it, you can tame it. Uh, I think that's something people can take home and use right away because that's like that just sparks something in your mind immediately. And that, that's, that's so much easier. If you can make that picture of it then too, it just kind of comes out. I have a picture the second you said that. So thank you for that. <laughs> You bet. Now, uh, I also uh, you, you st you've studied shamanism, correct? Correct. Now, where where have you uh, like where do you use this in your practice, and like even just where have you uh, studied this? Have you taken courses, classes, anything like that? Yeah, at first I picked up some books by Michael Harner. Yes, uh, he's kind of like the pioneer of shamanism in the you know Western world. And he's, uh, he's, gosh, he's about 87, I think, now. I had a chance to meet him on his 87th birthday. So, yeah, he's looking oh, great still, but he's definitely, <laughs> yeah, it's really great. But I, took, I went and took classes through his organization. It's called the Foundation for Shamanic Studies. And their website is shamanism.org. And I'll, yeah, and I'll make sure to put that in the show notes classes. for everybody. Yeah, because I've taken classes through them as well, actually, and it's amazing for sure. Right. So I started there, and I really enjoyed that. And so... 
I just took a bunch of his weekend courses. And that's what's nice is he, they have about, I think, nine, ten courses now they offer that you can take. You just look at the schedule and say, oh, I'll take the dreaming and shamanism. Oh, I'll learn about, you know, whatever it is that you want to do. There's so many different healing practices they offer. And so I started taking those like death, dying and beyond. And you're like, wow, this is good stuff. And I always left invigorated and going, I, I learned so much about myself. They teach you how to journey and that journey doing it through a sober method because people think, oh, I can only do journey work if I'm doing some psychedelics or hallucinogenics or something. And they teach you how to use a drum, which is really profound. I found it extremely powerful because you're sober and you're having these full on visions, you know, and it's like you just get addicted to that going, wow, I have this whole world you know, this, that I have access to that, you know, most people don't even know about and aren't aware of. So you and through those worlds, you can access guides, teachers, mentors, helpers of all sorts, and it's powerful. So I learned it was helping my life. And so some people aren't ready for that kind of information, but I can still use it personally to help them. So with on their, if they allow me to do that kind of work, I'll do a journey on their behalf and find out what's going on. And I'll get information that might tell me that they have digestive issues or something else that I may not have, may have overlooked. So I took their courses at first, the weekend ones, and I loved it so much, I took their three-year program. So I have an advanced shamanic training program for three years. So that really helped fine-tune my shamanic skills and really be clear about you know, what it is to drum and to rattle and to chant. And, and it just gives you concrete practices that you can apply. And so a lot of my clients love it. So we just incorporate it into the work. So when they come see me for a coaching appointment, I sometimes will start off with a shamanic healing. Sometimes that's all I'll do because sometimes a healing can take an hour or two because once the, you start working with helpers, you don't, you, there's not, they're not on our time schedule. <laughs> so you know, I, that's, I just love it. And I've also gone to um, um, mystery school. So it's called Nine Gates uh, Mystery School. You can um, Google that. I think it's ninegates.org as well. And that's a great program. Well done. It's uh, it's ten days. Uh, you do ten days. When I did it, it was ten days in Joshua Tree and ten days in Santa Barbara. And these two ten day courses are six months apart, so it has time to integrate into society the things you've learned before you go back. And I found it absolutely powerful. So I, I you know, I, I'd like to take courses and learn. You know, it's, you know, it's kind of like this. I, I take a course from a healer. You learn a few tricks. You put them in your tool, toolbox. You learn something else. So you start developing your own practice through other things that you've been learned through other teachers. So it's not that you're becoming a little a robot of exactly what that teacher does. You're learning what works for you. And I, I find it absolutely fascinating. And, and I, sometimes the healing you find is something you may not be able to do with ordinary methods. It's things that come out through a healing. People start sharing things that may have come up from childhood that they would not ordinarily want to share with you. But it opens them up to a point where like I'm still holding pain from this childhood trauma and that usually comes out through a shamanic work and that's why I love it because it's another way to help a person at I think a much deeper level. So do you have any areas of uh, or what are your other areas of study at the time? Are you is there anything that you're taking classes on or upcoming that you really want to look into further? Uh, well I'm always studying. I think I'll study till the day I die. So you know right now I've been heavy into dreaming you know and so um, the dream mechanism and how it relates to your life. So I've been following with the dream journal. I did this back when I was in high school. I used to write my dreams and I also do a daily journal of my life and to see the correlations between the dream world and uh, what happens in your reality is absolutely mind-boggling and I think it was Carl Jung, I study a lot of his work, and he shares that your dream state is so powerful because it's 
beyond the psyche. It's behind your, you know, your ego. You know, when you're in our, sometimes we may think things in our daily life. You go, ah, oh, no, that's not true. But you're so open when you're in dream world. So if you're, you get those messages, sometimes you, when you just write them down, you realize, wow, it's in my face what I need to do in my life, what I need to change or what, you know, things that are happening around you. So I'm really into the dream world right now. And that's, and I also meditate on a regular basis. Uh, I think everybody should start some sort of meditation. It just helps calm the brain and helps you like, reflect on your day. Uh, and there's so many different methods. I've gone through so many different ones. I started with center point. Center points are it's a, just a CD play. You get you buy the CDs online and you listen to them on a headset. And they start off with 30 minutes a day. And you just and I tell you, when I first started this, 30 minutes a day was a lot of work. Uh, 10 minutes was a struggle because I was so type A go, 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 that I had two modes. It was go or sleep. So when I try to sit down for 30 minutes and relax, I was asleep. So 10 minutes, I was just out. And I think it took me like 14 days or so. And I kept on doing it because I'm like, this is really important. I've heard, you know, really successful people are meditating. I need to do this. And so it was just part of my plan. I thought I'm going to keep on doing it. And it took about 14 days before I could actually stay awake for 30 minutes. It was just like, you know, and then when I was at, when I could, I was still restless. So I guess I could stay awake, but it was like, I'd find myself opening my eyes and looking at my clock going, is it time yet? Is it time yet? And then something magical happens. I think it took about 28 days or so that all of a sudden my body went, yes, we love this time. We love to have this time to do nothing. And it became something I craved. And it was like, I didn't want the time to finish. So I'd be in this state of nothingness you know, where my mind could just zone out. And it was like 30 minutes would go by and I swear it was two minutes. I'm like, whoa, what happened? You know, and it was just like, and then I could increase my meditations to 45 minutes to an hour. And I was just like, this is mind boggling that I can just be gone. You know, here I was present, but time was just, you know, and, and you feel invigorated from that. So I, I meditate on a daily basis as well. And usually my sessions are 30 minutes, but if I go longer, that's okay. I usually do it in the morning before clients where I have time and not on a pressure where I have to be aware of the, the schedule. Now, are there any other daily practices that you do or do you follow even, uh, or what does your daily routine look like? I mean, do you get up at specific times? Do you eat at specific times? Uh, yeah, you know, um, it's, it's not as uh, scheduled as I used to be. Like, I think sometimes we have to put ourselves on strict schedules because of the amount of stuff we pile in our day. So it's like, oh, I have to eat at 12 o'clock because I have a 1230 or I have to be, a, you know, get up at six because I have a 730. Now I usually don't see clients till nine. I used to see clients at, you know, 530 in the morning. So I naturally am a morning person. So I love my morning. So I usually wake up at six, 630. And so whatever time I don't set the alarm, I wake up naturally and I go, oh, OK, time to get up you know, get up, have my shower and my morning rituals. I have this wonderful tea I make in the morning. It's with superfoods. So I mix a bunch of superfoods and I just kind of, you know, ask my soul what's good for me that day. So I guess kind of, what did you have today? Do you want to, do you want to share everybody what you had oh. today in that, in that, uh, tea? There? Oh, of course. Yes. I had a Yukoma bark tea. Yukoma is really good for uh, agility, stability, strength. Um, it, uh, it's great for athletes. It's good for um, pregnant women. It's good for yogis. It helps, you know, so it's a really powerful bark that you can buy. The one I buy it from is from RR Superfoods, our Superfoods Raw Revelations. And so I used that this morning. Uh, I used a little bit of cinnamon. So I use a Ceylon cinnamon and then a, a natural organic vanilla powder. And those are the, uh, oh, and I use a little shilajay. 
Chilajay is a mineral and it's a very dark and you don't want to use a lot of it. It kind of, if you use too much, it's like cow dung, you know, it's got a very, it's very, earthy, very yeah. <laughs> so just a small pinch of that stuff in my tea. And then I mix it with a little raw honey. And then today I used a little organic butter and I mixed it together. Sometimes I'll use like a, a nice, uh, good coconut milk, a raw coconut milk. And I'll mix that up and it makes it kind of like a smoothie, kind of creamy. But today I just use a little butter in there and it's makes the butter makes it more of a food. So your body absorbs those minerals and superfoods better. So that's what I had this morning. And, and that gives me a little bit of a kickstart. But, you know, you know, listen to my body. Sometimes there'll be other things. You know, they make adrenal support. They have brain formulas like ashwagandha and things. Uh, they have some for I, – I, I recommend a lot of superfoods to clients. One of them that I love from this company, uh, Raw Revelations, is called Coffee Fix. And it tastes like coffee, but it actually supports the adrenal glands. So it gives you natural energy, but non-stimulating. So they feel – powerfully good and invigorated but it's not that up and down crash spike that caffeine will give them so clients that are overdoing caffeine this works really well and it like it tastes just like coffee so that's a great one too so if you're trying to break the coffee fix you know this coffee fixes the product for you <laughs> now speaking of like superfoods i mean and, and you said like ashwagandha so adaptogens that type of thing are there any others that uh you really like to use with yourself or even just with clients then yeah, at least I have a list of them here. Um, there's some called like Bag of Tricks, which is one of the products from this company. And they mix a diff bunch of different herbs together. And it has a little bit of rice protein powder. So it can be used like a breakfast food. Uh, other ones they have are like Serenity, Vitality. Uh, so uh, we ha I have one called Hishu Wei, um, Holy Basil. It's really good for stress. Uh, I find that's one of the most powerful ones for stress. So if you're getting, you know, change in career, getting married, going through divorce, that holy basil is awesome if you've never tried it. Uh, they make like wild shaga, which is, you know, also has, a, it's like a mushroom. Um, they have a, a, a camu camu, which is a vitamin C, powerful antioxidant. So there's a bunch of them that I, I you know, I experiment and play with in the morning, but I just kind of listen to my body and say, what, what would be best for me now? Now, you'd also said with uh, the Yukoma bark uh, and pregnancy, and you're pregnant now, correct? Yes, I am. <laughs> Congratulations on that. But what I, I want to say like, and ask, uh, what, what have you done? What have you changed in your life uh, health-wise like, with this? Like, how has that really changed your body and changed uh, your health practices? Wow. Well, it changes everything. <laughs> um, this is you know, true. <laughs> uh, I was... Our <laughs> uh, I was already healthy, which is good because, you know, a lot of mothers these days aren't healthy. And so, uh, you know, you're hearing all these stories of them having morning sickness and canking out of bed and throwing up and all sorts of aches and pains. And and I was um, blessed not to have any of that. I had I, the only thing I experienced, especially the first trimester when women are having all these symptoms, is that... Um, for me is that if you're not eating right, your body will actually want to throw up the food because it says it is healthier not to eat than to eat the toxins and poisons you're bringing into the fetus. So the body will rely on your fat sources that have already been kind of detox and cleansed through your liver to support the fetus. So sometimes women hardly eat for the first three months, actually lose weight. And it isn't until the, yeah, after the first three months when the fetus is actually complete, you know, like say by 12 weeks, the baby looks like a baby. It's just really tiny. And then it's starting to grow and put on mass. And at that point, you can kind of get away with eating the foods that they're eating. So for me, 
I was always healthy. So I didn't have any of those morning sickness or anything. So I, I was very blessed, but I think it's because I listened to my body. So I had some really weird food aversions. Most women do. For one, I love salad. I used to eat salad every single day. And for the first three months, I couldn't eat any salad. It was like, I'd look at lettuce and go, oh, it would make me feel like I was in a vomit. So I'm like, I definitely don't want to eat that. So I just listened to my body. And I could still eat like raw vegetables separately. Like I could chew on a carrot. I could eat some cucumber. I could cut open a tomato. But putting a salad together, it was just like gag me, you know? And it was just like, it was the funniest thing because it was something I ate every day. And I just honored that and said, well, you know, and then as you study food, nutrition, salad is a very cleansing food. It detoxes the body. Well, naturally, my body didn't want to detox then. It was storing. So here I was in the middle of summer, 100 degree weather here, <laughs> and I'm eating stews, you know, and I wanted bone broth and I wanted hearty stuff because my body was like, we're making something, you know, and it was quite funny because normally when, when it's hot, you don't think you want those foods, but my body says, put on some size, put on some. So I was putting on weight, but, you know, I felt good, you know, I felt balanced. And yes, I was tired, you know, I was taking naps, you know, and I had the pleasure that I could do this on my job. I'd take, two naps a day, you know, 15 minutes, like at 10 o'clock, I was like, okay, nap time. And then usually around five o'clock, I was like, okay, another nap. And then I was in bed usually by nine o'clock at night. And my body was just like, you're, you just need to rest because you're, you're making something. So that was the biggest change. And then of course I had uh, an aversion to fish and I, you know, I love fish, but if you research fish these days, fish is so toxic from their environment. There's heavy metals, mercury, all the stuff that we've done to poison our, our, our water. So I think it was a good idea. So I just stayed away from fish. And so it was interesting. Once I passed those three-month line, I started craving salads again and wanting a little bit of fish, but not too much. So I just honored my body and listened to it. So yes, the, my body was definitely telling me different stuff. And you know, I have a variety in my diet. But I tell you, when I got pregnant, it was like, I definitely wanted more variety. Like if I ate an apple today, I wouldn't want an apple tomorrow. It was, give me something else. So it was like every day I wanted, and I eat a lot more fruit than I normally do. You know, I wasn't really a fruit eater. I ate a lot of veggies, but my gosh, I would eat three, four servings sometimes of fruit a day. But it was like raspberries. I want a nectarine. I want a plum. I want a peach. I want a papaya. I want a, and things I normally didn't like, like banana was not something I cared for. I wanted a banana. <laughs> and so I would just eat the, these foods and go, wow, this is interesting. <laughs> it's actually really funny that you say that because, uh, I mean, my wife and I recently had our first son. And we, when she was pregnant, like if the first trimester, she just ate lightly, didn't eat a whole lot. Same thing. She actually didn't eat salads. Like, and she, that was something every day that she ate. It was funny that you said that. But then fruit and pork, that was all she ate for months then. I don't know what it was. It was the same thing. It was just fruit and pork and fruit and pork. And that's all she just kept eating. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. It's just, yeah, things that you normally don't eat, you just want to eat a lot of. I mean, and I craved a lot of red meat too. I didn't, not so much pork, but I did like pork sausages. Of, like, oh, give me some pork was, sausages, which I didn't sausage. eat a lot of pork. No, it was always sausage for Yeah, her. That yeah. Was it. I think it's because the high fat content or something I think so, in it. Yeah. But I also craved steak. You know, it was like, give me a, like once a week, I needed steak. And I think it's just to help your red blood cells and the iron content. But I would get like a good quality New Zealand steak and I would be like, fry it up. Or I remember even teaching on the road and I'd find organic burgers, like the, there's called Bear Burger. And they're very popular on the East Coast and I'd find them in their organic um, burger bars. And I'd go there and you could build your own burger and I'd be like there sometimes twice when I was in a week gone. I'd be like, give me, give me a burger there. <laughs> 
which is funny. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, all right, let's, let's switch gears here a little bit. And I have another question for you. So what do your friends, family, what do they think that you are world, world class at? Like, what are you the best in the world in their eyes at? Uh, I would probably say, uh, they see me as a really good public speaker and uh, inspirational motivator. They always say, you know, Angie, you're so good at motivating me to make the healthier changes and you inspire me to be better. So I, I get that a lot. And, and that makes me feel good because that's really what it is. It's not me forcing you to change your habits or do what I'm doing, but I want to inspire you. Inspiring means you're taking that initiative yourself and saying, hey, I see Angie's doing that. I want to try that too. And so I, I, I would say that's what I'm world class at is just sharing what I'm doing and not forcing my ideas on anybody because nobody wants someone to force anything on them. It's like the more you try to force your idea on someone, the more people are going to resist and say, screw you, I'm going to do it my way. So it's, you know, I think that's what they say, you know, you're good at is just not, you know, I, they see me eating that, but I never judge them. It's like if they want to eat something bad, you know, they'll, they'll feel it. And if they're, when they're ready, they'll notice and go, gosh, that didn't really work for me. But I'm not going to sit there and go, oh, why are you doing that? How terrible. You know, it's, nobody wants to feel bad about what they choose to eat or what they choose not to do, you know, not exercise or whatever they're not doing. So I'd say that's what I'm world class at is just sharing my life without, you know, making it them feel uncomfortable about it. Yeah. And, and that's, that's a big deal because a lot of people, if they're working with somebody or they see somebody, they feel like they're always being judged by them. Uh, and that can be something tough uh, probably to overcome. Like if you're working with somebody who, I mean, as yourself, like you're exuding health, like this is just what you portray. But to hear you speak, I mean, even just the things we've talked about today, it sounds like it's, no, you just want to educate people. People want to learn if they're ready to learn. Uh, then they'll be ready. Like you can't force something. And I like that. You can't force it upon them if they're not ready. Absolutely. Right. You know, we talk about in the Czech Institute, you have to have the pain teacher arrive. And if the pain teacher is not knocking hard enough on that door, you're not going to change. So sometimes it takes a little bit more knocking. Someone goes, oh gosh, I have a stomach ache. Next thing you know, it's, oh gosh, I'm getting an ulcer. Oh gosh, I have, you know, colitis, you know. And so it's like the pain teacher keeps on knocking saying, hey, you're doing something wrong. And sometimes you just have to wait till they say, you know, Angie, gosh, now I have this serious problem and, you know, or gosh, I have diabetes or whatever it is. And then, you know, so people wake up at their own time, place, and sometimes people don't wake up and that's unfortunate. But, you know, that's, if you listen to the pain teacher, you'll realize that that pain teacher has been, you know, slowly knocking on your door silently, a little bit louder, a little louder. And it's like, okay, time to do something different. I don't like what I'm looking like or I don't like how I'm feeling. And so, you know, that's that's the beauty of the pain teacher. He's he's there to teach us. Now, talking about a pain teacher and even just working with clients, like what is what is the biggest opposition that you find to health from people that you're either working with or teaching in classes? What is something that they always kind of butt up against? Uh, you know, usually now with the clients I'm getting, people are they have a reputation, so it's kind of like whatever Angie says we want to do. But I know when I first started out, the biggest oppositions would be. Oh, organic food. Why spend so much money on that? Commercial food's just as good. Organic's so expensive. You know, and that was a big opposition. And, you know, as I kept on saying, you know, eat this food is how I eat. People, I, you know, eventually they'd say, well, I say, try it for a week. Just try eating organic for food. Nothing but organic and see how you feel. And usually within a week, people will go, you know, I do feel better. I have more energy. I've noticed I'm sleeping better. I, I'm noticing things I didn't notice before. And sometimes people don't notice it till they go back to their bad food. So they go, I don't feel any difference. 
And then they got to start eating the other food and go, oh, wait, now that I step back and eat this junk food, I'm really noticing I, I did feel better on, on the organic food. So that, it's always an opposition. And, it's, you know, and it cracks me up, too, because people go, oh, it's so expensive. But then you watch your clients and they go to the, you know, the bar and they'll drink $10 beers and not think anything of it. And it's like, how expensive is that? <laughs> you know, they run a $100, $150 tab at night on a Friday on food that they just was not good for them and polished off in you know, a couple hours. And so, you know, when they start realizing their lifestyle or how much they spend at Starbucks, I had a client, she goes, I don't know where all my money goes. And we figured out she went to Starbucks twice a day and was buying a Vente. And the time she tipped and everything, she was spending like $380 a month just on Starbucks. And so she ended up buying herself a nice espresso machine and organic coffee. And over time, she was actually saving a bundle of money. And she's like, oh my gosh, this is so much better for me. I feel better you know, because some of the chemicals they put in their, their Starbucks are just ruined your body. I mean, they have, you know, even their soy milk isn't even soy milk and they're trying to give more natural sources, but they put so much crap in it and the beans have, you know, pesticides and all sorts of things. So it's like you, your body really feels that. So you get the initial surge of the high, but then you feel this crash and most of it's just from processing everything else that's in that bean. So, you know, it's just awareness and going, hey, try this out. But you know, you know, it, most opposition comes from people who have, you know, habits, you know, addictions. You know, they don't want to change their addictions. It's like, no, no, you're not going to take my alcohol away from me, are you? And I tell them, no, I'm not going to take anything away from you. So sometimes it's creating a rainbow bridge. And what that means is, okay, so you like alcohol. So let's just choose better sources of alcohol. You know, educating them on maybe buying organic wines or pre-1945 before we started using pesticides and farming. A lot of times people do better when they have an aged wine like that because, or alcoholic beverage because it's not full of all these chemicals. Or if they're using mixers, getting them to use healthier mixers and say, hey, how about just grapefruit juice and vodka or just orange juice and vodka or you know, make it cleaner instead of uh, you know, these margaritas full of all these chemicals. And they go, wow, you know, I do feel better. I don't feel so hungover when I don't drink all that processed sugar. So it's just creating that bridge. And then, you know, when the healthier person gets, you know, if you think about it, who feels a hangover? A healthy person or a sick person? A healthy person because they go, wow, I'm feeling so much better and I'm feeling hungover. When you're sick, you don't feel any of that. So as you clean up their diet elsewhere, you keep their alcohol in and say, you know, if that's, if that's okay for you and you, you want to live that lifestyle, great. But I find over time when people started cleaning up everything else, they go, I just don't feel good when I drink anymore. And then they stop drinking, you know, as much, which is great. Now, you talked about uh, even just red wine in there. And I, I do enjoy a glass of red wine once in a while. Now, I also know that you were recently in Italy. And what did you see? I mean, even differences just with the organic foods versus not organic foods or just the wines that they're drinking. What are even different cultures around the world that you've seen uh, doing differently than we do here in America? Yeah, you know, uh, they. what's the beauty about uh, Europe is they have banned genetically modified organisms. So there are no GMOs in the food. So that was one of my concerns about traveling and eating out every meal because even when I travel for the Czech Institute, I usually find organic food on the road or I'll bring my own food with me because it's, it's not illegal to bring your own food on a plane, just liquids. So I'll bring a cooler with my food and I have, an, I have a refrigerator in my room. I'll bring a little travel skillet and I cook my own food. So I was a little scared about being, I was in Italy for three weeks. I thought, okay, not only am I eating on three weeks, I'm also pregnant. So I had to think about two mouths <laughs> instead of one. And so I, was, I started researching Italy and I was very relieved to see they banned genetically modified organisms. So I didn't have to worry about really weird stuff in my food. 
And most of these places, restaurants, they, they, food is really the culture. So they are really pride themselves on good food. So most of the restaurants cook and they say it right in the menu, these are homegrown from our garden. So you're getting homegrown vegetables at restaurants. And most of them will say it is organic or it's a quality where you, it tastes good. Like you can taste the difference between commercial versus organic. And so even if it's not with the organic label, you can tell the quality of the food is way better than ours. And so I was happy to see that. And I didn't drink any wine. Um, one of my friends did, and she said, there's a stamp, and I can't remember the numbers. It was like VOG, or there's four letters on it. And it was a standard they use. And so when you had this NVOG or whatever it was, that G was like the extra plus rating of quality. And so she would try these wines, and she was like, they're amazing. And she said she didn't feel that sick, you know, sometimes you drink alcohol and your mouth dries out or you get hot or flushed and stuff. She didn't have any of those side effects that are usually caused by the stuff they add into the wine. So they have a better quality of wines they're serving. And, you know, it's funny because some of the restaurants would like to serve me wine, even though I'm pregnant. It's like, you know, in culture, they're like, oh, it's okay. And it's like, no, 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 I'm not going to drink wine. <laughs> but, you know, so it's funny how culture has different ideas on what is okay and what is not okay when you're pregnant. <laughs> Now, looking about talking about just health overall here, what is what is your vision for health like for in ten years, in in a hundred years? Like, what is the vision for health of of yourself, of your family, of the world? What would you like that to be? Oh gosh, I would love for us to completely go back to organic food. You know, get away from commercial farming. It's destroying the soil. Uh, I think we're going to have to actually because we're destroying our topsoil from all the pesticides and all the fertilizers and everything. So I think it's going to be a point where we're going to have to turn back and go back to natural sources. Uh, it's it tastes better. It is better, and you know it's what I love about my job now is I travel to these countries, and every year I go back to these countries, and I'll see changes within just a year. And so you know, often my class sizes are between twenty-five and fifty students. But those 25 and 50 students can make a huge difference in a, in a culture, in a community. And so I'll come back and they'll say, hey, wow, you know, it, it, it's not, you know, you think HLC, holistic lifestyle coaching, is just about coaching clients. Well, a lot of these people take the courses just for themselves and how they can apply it to what their dream is. And so I've seen natural fiber clothing come up from these, these people who take the courses. That some people make bakeries, like in Toronto. There's a girl who was in my HLC1 class, and she started up her own bakery with gluten-free natural products. And so that became real popular. Now she has a catering service with organic food, which has benefited me because now when I travel there, she'll make all my food on the road. And so it's neat to see the changes, you know, just in the little cafes that pop up that are organic. And it's like, wow. So, I, you know, you, the word spreads. People feel better. The next thing you know, you see more of these healthy places around the world. And I, I love that. So in 10 years, you're going to see more and more of this. You know, you're, you're seeing grass-fed beef more common now. You do see organic smoothie bars and coffee shops showing up. So I just want to see more of that come up because that's, gonna, that's really going to change the world. And when we eat better, we feel better, we'll have to, we won't take as many drugs. So we're going to see less pharmaceutical needs. You know, we're seeing right now, I think we're at this cusp where you're seeing so many sick people and sick babies and, you know, all the, it's like on every single block, street corner, you find a, you know, in vitro fertilization place because women can't get pregnant. And it's like, why can't we get pregnant? It's like, you know, back in the day, people would look at each other and get pregnant, you know, and now it's like, it doesn't happen. It's like, why are people so sick that they can't? And it's just because of the environment. So my vision is to see people getting healthier, cleaning up the, the environment, cleaning up themselves, 
healthier babies, not so many drugs, not so many vaccines, and, you know, living like we're supposed to, you know, in, you know, connection with the earth and, and, and the plants and the animals, opposed to thinking we're isolated and away from all this stuff. Now, just saying even that connection, what are, are there any ways that you try and connect with the earth, whether it be the plants, the animals? Uh, what, what, what do you use for yourself? What do you use for your clients? Yes, absolutely. First, spend time in nature every single day. Be outside. You know, I think most of us don't even go outside. You know, it's just like we go from our car to our office to our office to home. And, and it's like we're living in these little air-conditioned micro-bubbles. And so spend some time outside. So go outside, be barefoot, connect your feet to the soil. Um, I have a Tai Chi practice I do at night. So in the morning I do meditation. At night I go outside and do Tai Chi in the garden. And that just connects me. And I invite all the plant spirits and the rock spirits and everything around to join me in my meditation and my Tai Chi. So I move with my garden. And it's like they, and it's great because it's a free form Tai Chi. So I'm not doing these forms that I have learned. It's more what does my body need and what is, the, what is nature telling me? How should I move? Oh, I should bend backwards. Oh, I should move forward. Oh, I should swish to the side. And I just let my body go. And it's almost like a, you know, if you're watching a tree in the breeze, it just kind of goes in whatever direction and you're timing your breathing with your movement. And, you know, that's one of the things, ways I connect. I also connect by um, the plants in my room, in my office, in my house, is I name them. So they all have names. So I have a connection to them. And they actually will start talking to you, not with words, but you know, through like feeling. And so I can look at a plant and go, oh, that plant is not feeling well. So I can touch the soil and see if it's dry or sometimes there's too much water or it's not getting enough sun. Or, and, they, and it's like they just communicate with you. And so as you connect with them, you realize, oh, all my plants are happy. And they all put a vibration around me. So as you get in tune with these vibrations that plants put off, you'll feel it. And you'll go, wow. And, and so if a plant dies, like one time I was on a trip and traveling, and my cleaning lady overwatered a plant and it died. And it was almost like there was a sadness in my whole house. Like all the plants knew this plant was dead. And I could feel it when I walked in the room, like there was something empty missing. I'm like, that plant added so much vitality in this room. So I went out and bought the same exact plant, same species, and put it back in the room. And it was like the whole room woke up again and the plants were happy. It was like, oh, we got something back again. You know, it's something that was adding to my, my environment. So, you know, just that simple thing of just paying attention to your plants and start talking to them and seeing what happens when you do connect to them. I mean, just say hello to them and their, your voice will make them change. It's amazing. You know, I've had sick plants and I just started talking to them, put my hands around them. You don't have to touch them, but put your hands so you can feel the warmth of your hands. And they start getting inspired. They get happy. It's like, whoa, somebody's paying attention to me. It's amazing. So those are simple ways. Another thing I do is I like to look around what animals are around my environment. And there's, in shamanism, animals give you messages. So if you see a rabbit, well, you may not see a rabbit every day. So what does that rabbit have to say to you? And you might go, I have no idea. Well, you can go and Google these things. You can go online and say power animal. You can call it, They call them power animals. Power animal rabbit. And you'll find all these websites that say rabbit comes into your path and it might mean this. And so you go, oh, wow. So if you see an owl, a coyote, you know, so you all of a sudden see hawks and you go, wait a minute, I don't see those every day. What do they mean? And you'll be surprised that they're usually giving you messages about your day. So like for me, you start developing a relationship. So if I hear an owl, I know I might have a particularly stressful day. But that owl spirits let me know that my spirit guides are watching over me. It's like almost like a reassurance. It's like, okay, brace yourself, but don't worry. We're here taking care of you. And I always know, oh, boy, what's going to happen? And usually something challenging happens that day. But it's like 
everything's going to be all right. So I get that also that feeling of I'm being supported and, and watched over. That's, that's very nice. I think, uh, just, and it comes down to you talking about this feeling, this listening, and it, it keeps coming up over and over, but it's so true. It's something that can be easily done, but can really just make a huge impact on your health and just that, that vision for a healthier world overall. So I, I love it. Thank you for all of that input there. You bet. You know, and I think today it's like you look at society, it's like we're all numb. You know, it's like, we, you know, it's like the medical field doesn't want us to feel anything. Oh, you have a headache, take an aspirin. Oh, you do have a problem with that, cut it out. You know, so we're, we're living, you know, oh, you're sad, take an antidepressant. And we're not feeling anything. So we're like little computers, little, you know, walking machines going through life, creating paychecks, which just is generating money for the government so they can buy more bombs or something, you know, and it's like, let's just wake up and start feeling it. And so it's not about having a happy day every day. It's saying, what am I feeling? Why am I feeling pain and going through those emotions and learning from them? And I think you have to be brave enough to say, I need to feel what's going on in me. What's hurting me? What's causing the sadness? What's causing depression? And when you get through that, you can experience great levels of joy too. It's kind of that yin and yang. You don't know happiness until you know sadness. Because if you were happy every day, how would you know you're happy? Right? So the sadder the day, the more potential to have a really happy day. So you have to look at it that way too. <laughs> uh, that's that's actually a great way to look at it. And I, I think it's just that appreciation of, of both sides of that coin. Uh, it really can go a long ways to recognize just both in yourself, but also those around you. Just uh, They'll appreciate it as well. If you, if you give them more of yourself, give them what you, it is that you have to offer and, and it just can go a long way with them being healthy as well. So that, that would be, that would be very nice. Just that feeling more from others too. Right. Right. Now, Andrew, one of the, one of the last things, uh, I want to be respectful of your time. So we'll ask a couple more questions here, but one of them is who would you want to hear on this podcast? Who is somebody that you would just love to, to learn more about? And also what is one question that you would want to ask them? Oh boy. You know, um, there's so many great teachers out there right now to say what's one, you know, it, it, I, I, you know, I couldn't really boil it down to one, but you know, you know, having some, maybe a yogi master on your show so you can talk about how they got to that such a deep spiritual practice, you know, it doesn't even have to be someone like, you know, you know, that where we're all going, Oh, that's the, that's the yogi master. There's so many great ones out there. You know, so somebody who's also in the health field, you know, I'd love to hear what other people say. So it's more like I like to learn from others and say, how are you approaching this? How are you influencing others? And so that's what inspires me is to hear people who are on the same walk of life that I am and what messages are they giving and how are they getting that message across? So that's what I love to hear more about, you know, so to say, oh, it has to be Deepak Chopra, you know, it doesn't have to be, you know, so sometimes just you know, a person who is walking the walk, you know, and, and, and living life. And sometimes our best teachers are our neighbors, our people who are right next door to us. And we, you know, we don't listen to them because they're not some, you know, guru that we see on the television, you know, and it's just like we can learn from everybody, you know. So, you know, the questions I'd ask people is just how, how are you making the world a better place? And, you know, what, how are you making a difference in the world? And I think all of us have the potential to do that. We're all here we all have unique gifts and every single one of us is different. And I think part of that is just remember where you're unique. And I have a saying that says, be you, everybody else is already taken, you know, and sometimes we, <laughs> we try to be somebody else. And it's like, you know, we're, we're destroying the gift that's inside of us. And, 
you know, I think the way we're taught in school and stuff, we're trying to uniform us all and make us all wear the same clothes and act the same way and do the same thing. But if we allow our own creative uniqueness to come out and express, it's like everybody's so beautiful in their own way. And it's like somebody's a great artist, somebody's a great poet, somebody's great with their hands, you know. So, you know, being able to share those gifts with others without feeling like they have to be something else. Uh, that's that's wonderful. I think that... Uh, the, the the quote there, be you, everybody else is already taken. It's fantastic. Um, but <laughs> I'm definitely going to have to ask that. Like, just, yeah, again, how how are you or, but how is others that I have on the podcast, how are they making the world a better place? What are, how are they influencing it? I think that'll be a great question. So thank you. Uh, mm -hmm. Other thing, what is, what is one non-negotiable health habit uh, that you have that you never, never compromise on? But hold on a second. So again, I'm going to have, we're going to answer that after the show. So if anybody wants to uh, check that out. They can head over barenakedhealthpodcast.com to get Angie's answer on this. But other things that we're going to be able to find over there. Angie, where can we find more about you? Where can the listeners go to check out your work and hear what it is that, how you're influencing the world? All right. There's several ways. I have a website. It's angiesworld.com. That's A-N-G-I-E-S-W-O-R-L-D.com. It's the name of my business. And the reason why, I'll just tell you quickly, is when I changed my own life from going from the researcher to the health practitioner and who I am, the health coach today, people used to talk and say, well, in Angie's world, you'd eat this. And in Angie's world, you'd exercise like that. So it stuck and I changed the name of my business to Angie's world. So that's the name of my company. Um, also, I'm on Facebook. I usually like to jump in there at least once a day and check out what's going on. So if you just um, do a little search for Angie Lustrick, L-U-S-T-R-I-C-K, you can uh, make friends with me there. And that's where I share where I'm doing, where I am in the world, what's going on in my life. And that's a great way to connect with me there. Um, on my um, Facebook, I mean my website, you can also connect with a newsletter. So right on the front page, you'll see an uh, option to sign up for my newsletter. And that goes out once a week. So it's another way to get some advice and tips on recipes and nutrition, whatever's on my mind that week. Very good. So I'll make sure get all get all this over in the show notes for everybody to go check out. And uh, they'll have to go check that out to see the answer to the upcoming question then. So again, and Angie, thank you so much for your time. This has been great. Uh, thanks, Nick. It's great to be on your show. <laughs> thanks for listening. And don't forget to go check on your brain health by going over to the barenakedhealthpodcast.com and taking the free brain quiz. By doing so, you can get a free copy of my book, The Four Morning Secrets to Perfect Brain Health, shipped to your door. Also, please head over to iTunes to give the Bare Naked Health Podcast a positive comment and a five-star rating. This really goes a long way in getting the word out and helping to share the podcast with others.